Hi, everyone. It's Melinda Garvey with the See It To Be It podcast. This week, we have another great interview with an incredible role model. Stay tuned. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the See It To Be It podcast. I'm your host, Melinda Garvey. And each month, I'm always so thrilled and honored to bring you yet another incredible role model. And today is no different. I have a woman by the name of Janet Pham, who you are going to want to know. She is a woman in tech, which we know is somewhat of a rarity, but growing these days and thanks in no small part to her. She's also the founder of a nonprofit for underserved girls called Thriving Elements that helps mentor girls in STEM. She's a TEDx speaker and she's an author and she's got a really, really cool story. So I'm excited to bring you Janet Pham. Welcome. Thank you, Melinda. Thanks for having me here today. Well, everybody knows the first thing I love to do is go back and just think about when you were growing up, you know, what was your big dream? And I know that you came from an immigrant family and, you know, you write about that in your book. You had a lot of struggles. I love for you just to talk about your path and and sort of how you managed to still have those big dreams. Interestingly enough with see it to be it, I grew up seeing my mom as the cashier of multiple stores like the dollar store at the mall and at the local Goodwill. And so I remember there was an exercise in I think first or second grade. You know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I proudly wrote, I want to be a cashier because that's what I knew. So that was my dream. And as I got older, I realized, oh, there, there are other things that you can be. And so as you had mentioned, uh, I grew up as a daughter of parents who are refugees from Vietnam. So it was very difficult for them to navigate me through the American education system. And because of that, I needed to figure out who I can trust quickly, who is going to be in my network and who can be my role models. And so somehow I found, I mean, I think it's through my parents, what they instilled in me was, you know, just do good work and people around you will will see it and they will help you. And so that's what I did in school and participating in school activities, doing community service. I knew that if I went above and beyond what I was asked, then I would stand out. And I think that has been a key part of how I've been successful is just doing what's more than asked. Yes. Interesting. And I think when you say that, I obviously interview all women, but one of the overriding themes is that these women are all successful and and have gotten to their success by doing more than. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of frustrating sometimes though, isn't it? We have to do better than our male counterparts and, you know, stand up more. So I know that, you know, a lot of ongoing hurdles that women are facing and especially women in tech. Yes, exactly. Well, so let's talk a little bit about your nonprofit and sort of the why behind launching that. I mean, you're clearly pretty busy. (laughs) So it's like (laughs) launching a nonprofit on top of working a full-time job and doing everything that you're doing. So talk a little bit about just where that sort of seed came from and what you're doing in the nonprofit. It came from when I started traveling globally for PwC, PricewaterhouseCoopers, as a technology consultant. And through PwC, if you're traveling internationally, you often get to be in business class. So I experienced it for the first time, and then it was the second, third, and I don't know how many times after that. 
And I just thought about, wow, like how cool is this? How lucky am I to travel globally comfortably on the company's dime, be able to get to know and build friendships with my colleagues from like South Africa, from France, from Switzerland, Sweden, Australia. And I thought, you know, how did I get here? And I would not have gotten here if it wasn't for the mentors in my life who invested time and took a risk to create opportunities for me, Uh, especially my IT internship mentor, Joseph Peck. During my internship with him, he carved out a piece of his statement of work that he needed to deliver for his organization and handed it to me. He just empowered me as an intern. You hear a lot about how interns are treated. You're like the person who goes to the photocopy machine or grabbing coffee. And sometimes like he would be grabbing coffee for me. So I was so thankful to have him and professor at University of Washington who encouraged me to pursue a degree in information systems when I had no idea what it was. And so that's how Thriving Elements started is because When I was working at Boeing and doing technology consulting around the globe, I realized I'm often the only woman at the table and often the only woman of color. And so that's why I really wanted to help those who do come from an underserved, underrepresented background so that we can hopefully level the playing field and we can do that by creating access and opportunities through through mentoring them. I would love to dive a little bit more into mentorship because I think that, and again, this has sort of been, you know, through, you know, my exploration is that I often find that the women that have had mentors along the way are corporate women. I talk to a lot of entrepreneurial women that haven't had mentors, you know, if they don't have a structure in place and Mm. it's often challenging. I mean, look, how many times have you asked about being a mentor? And the first thing you feel like, oh my God, I'm so honored. This is you go, oh my gosh, I don't have time. This is so stressful. Like, right? It's a challenge. Mm-hmm. You know, and the other piece is, you know, how for the mentees, like how do they really know what they need? So we kind of talk about these formal mentor programs. I know that they're really challenging to execute. So I'd love to just sort of talk about, you know, how in your program, you know, you overcome some of those hurdles for both the mentor and the mentee. And how do you create those long-term relationships? Do you think that is the key is having sort of that one person who, you know, takes an interest? Yeah, absolutely. I think the problem with these formal mentoring programs today, whether they're at universities or in companies, is they are ran off of the side of somebody's desk. So it's not a proper organization. Somebody's not paid full time to run it. And that's why they're often not as impactful as the company would like them to be. And so if we just go back to Thriving Elements, the mentoring model is built off of the mentoring model that I developed for myself and what I thought would be successful. This concept of being longer term and that you're not meeting every single week or even meeting every single month. So with Thriving Elements, as a mentee, you start anywhere during your high school years and you get matched with your mentor throughout high school. You stay with them throughout university or college and then into the early parts of your professional career so that we make sure the mentee gets into a STEM field. And that whole awkwardness that you were talking about, whether you're on the mentor mentee side, that is hedged by us providing a curriculum. So for each high school level that you're in, we have prompts. 
icebreakers, more like where you could use them for each of your mentoring sessions. So when we piloted at the beginning in 2016, so in your first year, you meet with your mentor one hour a month. And then in your second year, you meet one hour every other month. And in year three and beyond, you meet one hour a quarter. And so that also addresses your concern that you mentioned earlier about do I have time for this? Because there's so much going on for the mentee and the mentor. So that's why we have that type of mentoring life cycle. And then, you know, on your third year, it's only one hour a quarter. So going back to the model with the curriculum, it's really to just start the conversation. So we provide prompts around leadership development or what does public speaking mean to you? How can I improve in public speaking or what leaders identify some female leaders and bring it to the next mentoring session. So then you have something to talk about. And then we let the conversation just flow from there. And what we found is like our juniors and seniors in high school often don't need it because they are getting ready to go to college. So they have all this college prep conversations to, to have with their mentor, but other students have found it very helpful to drive, drive the conversation. So we also have mentoring training and mentee training. That's awesome. I like that conceptually, I guess you go, oh my God, this is going to be several years, but I love the way it's really packaged. Like this is exactly what it is. I think people can Mm -hmm. understand that and, and building that relationship and building that chemistry over time is so critical. That was what was missing for me was this kind of long-term person who I've gotten to know and who have gotten to know me that I could reach out to at any point now in my life in college or even in my career. Maybe we don't talk for a few months or even a year, but they know me and they're someone that I know that I can reach out to for help. And for these students who do come from underserved, underrepresented backgrounds, they need that network. And so this is the start of them building that network. And what this program has also provided is how can they use what they've built here in terms of developing a relationship with their mentor to go get other mentors themselves outside of the program. So that Mm -hmm. has been very empowering. And from our mentor side, they have told me that this program has been more impactful in their lives than they had thought, because now they have just this one individual that they want to make sure is successful. So it means so much to me. And for those who aren't in the program and navigating a mentoring relationship, that's what my TED talk is about the three key elements to thrive mentorship. And the key concept that I do want to share with your listeners here, Melinda, is it's so important to follow up with your mentors, whether or not they're a formal mentor of yours, if they are someone who you reached out to, to have a one-on-one with or a coffee to ask them for advice. The best thing to do is to follow up with them and share with them, Hey, because of what you said to me during our coffee, this is what I did. And this is the result. And so nothing is more rewarding to a mentor or someone who you view as a mentor than to know that the time that they invested in you is valuable for you. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. And I think that as the mentee sort of grows and grows in their role, you know, reaching out for those connections. I mean, as we know, as women, our networks are so incredibly important. And one of the things that I've done if I've been asked to mentor somebody is I actually bring in some of my friends. 
<laughs> so yes, like, exactly. right. And mm-hmm. introduce them and say, okay, let's have a session because so much of this is about how do you build that network and how do you continue to do that? And invariably, there's someone in that group that's like, wait, I can help you. I know this exact job opening or this exact. It's amazing. It's so powerful when you can, again, teach someone to build those networks. As we know, that's really the key. That's awesome. Really, really great program. I'd love to kind of just quickly jump back a little bit to when you were growing up. You talk about that initial dream, you know, was probably being a cashier because that's what you knew. So what was your breakout moment? What was that when you sort of knew, wait a minute, I see a whole other path and I'm going to change my circumstances, right? I'm going to change my trajectory, which is not an easy thing to do. You know, that takes a lot of drive. But do you kind of remember what that was or what the catalyst was? Yeah, I remember it very vividly. I mean, I was always told that higher education is important, but it came down to, okay, how am I supposed to pay for higher education? We don't have money for it. So what are we supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? While I was in high school, in my senior year, halfway through my senior year, I actually left my parents' place because there were a lot of conflicts. And I think a lot of it was me trying to do what the Americans were doing in my school, but then having to also grow up Vietnamese. There was a huge conflict there. And so as a result of me moving out of my parents' place, staying at a friend's place, I ended up working at two KFCs and also a Hollywood video for those younger listeners. Hollywood (laughs) video is like a Netflix, but in a store, you know? (laughs) It's, you know, all of days of VCR tapes. And you remember how on the weekend, you know, you used to like try to get there early on a Friday because all the good videos would be checked out. Am I right? I mean, you'd be like, dang it, you know, the the new (laughs) ones are gone. (laughs) Yeah, so I would work at Hollywood Video after my two shifts. The first one starts from nine to four. I have an hour break to get from one to the other. And then it goes from five to 10, then go over to Hollywood Video and work from about 10.30 to one in the morning, whatever I could do to get as many hours as possible. And so I remember one night I had already closed at Hollywood Video and I went to the gas station and I didn't have enough to fill up my tank. And I just sat there and was like, wow, like I don't ever want to be in this situation again. And I need to do whatever it takes to never have to live from paycheck to paycheck. And I think that was the turning moment in my life where I had already been quite a motivated student, but it just really kicked things into high gear for me. And so you wrote a book about this called Boldly You. Mm -hmm. Tell me just a little bit about why did you write this book? Did you feel like you needed to, to get it down on paper? Was it about having others be able to see that path? You know, what was the motivation behind the book? The motivation was... Actually, originally, I never told my story. And my story kept coming up when people were asking me, why did I start Thriving Elements? Why are you starting it? Well, you're traveling all over the world, doing tech consulting. And so I remember one evening I was at dinner with my friend, Daryl, and we had six hours of conversation about why, why he kept digging into my past. And he said, Janet, you need to tell your story. I was taken aback. Because he said, you know, 
I have a three-year-old daughter and I would like her to read your story and be inspired by it. And imagine all of those around the world who are living in the corners of rural China, rural India, who could get up out of their situation and do something with themselves because they read your story. And so then launched me into, okay, well, let me see about what other people think about the story. Because I never thought it was anything. So I started doing more and more speaking engagements. And what I found after each of the speaking engagements, there would be, if it was at the university, students coming up to me and saying, thank you so much for sharing your story, because I thought I was the only one. But to see where you are now and where you came from, it's just so inspiring and it has given me hope. And this was a consistent message after every speaking engagement. So that's why I decided, okay, as much as I don't want to tell my story, if I can allow myself to be vulnerable and that can inspire somebody to change the trajectory of their life, then it would be worth it for me. Awesome. Well, thank you for doing that because I know that you have helped a lot of people. I want to kind of talk about what you're doing now because I know you got a new gig, if you will, and really exciting stuff. So I'd love for you just to kind of talk about that and how all that all came about. We started in 2016. My roadmap has always been to expand it globally. I was actually speaking at the European Economic Symposium in 2019 when a gentleman from Uganda came up to me and said, hey, how do we get your nonprofit into my community? I'm an engineer in Uganda, and I'm always around a bunch of people who look like me, and I'd love to empower more of the girls here. And I told him, all right, we don't have a framework for it yet, but if you can work with me to build the framework and I can share with you what we've done in the U.S. and we can adapt it to how it can be read in Uganda. At the time, he was going through his master's program, and then he recruited a bunch of other engineers, men and women, to sign up to be mentors. And so with each of those mentors, we were interviewing them. They asked, oh, well, how can I bring it to my country in Tanzania? Well, how can I bring it to my country in Botswana? I don't want to just bring it Uganda. And so then I got this network of leaders in Africa who wanted to bring thriving elements into their communities. What I did was I set up a call with all of them at the same time. And the experience that I had during that call was so awful, not because of the people. So we were on Google Meets and the connection kept getting disconnected. People couldn't turn on their cameras. They had a, and then some kept getting kicked off, going back on, kicked off, going back on. So then you miss a lot of what's happening during the call and it's very disruptive. So after that call, it was April of 2020, like the beginning of COVID. I just thought, wow, you have these people who are so motivated to bridge the gender disparity in their countries and we can't do it because their internet connection sucks. And so that made me think about, okay, well, there has to be organizations who are trying to get reliable broadband to these types of communities. So I saw that Google was doing something at the time, Facebook, Amazon, Microsoft, Starlink, all the big players. So since then, my goal had been to, all right, what I promised the African Territory Ambassadors for Thriving Elements, I said, you guys, I'm going to get internet connectivity to where you are. Like, here's a spreadsheet. Tell me where your postal code is. And that's going to be a start. (laughs) And so since then, I have just been on this hunt to 
try to work with an organization either on my own time or as part of my career to bridge the digital divide. And it was interestingly enough, the digital divide was very apparent in the US during COVID. So today I'm starting my career at Amazon's Project Kuiper, where we will be launching low earth orbit satellites to get reliable broadband to unserved and underserved communities. So this is being able to bring my background in technology and my passion to help underserved communities all together. And so this is my dream job and I'm so excited to be part of it. I have a feeling that you're going to find a lot more chapters of Thriving Elements as you go into these different markets are going to pop up and do that, which is amazing. So you're probably going to be able to grow together. I hope so. Yeah, there's so much help that's needed. I was recently in Botswana. We have six new mentees there and they talked to me about how empowered they feel already, knowing how to set up a calendar invite, even having their own email accounts and being able to set up their own uh, video conferences. And I can't wait to see what they're able to do when we can provide them with internet. Because when they're not in school, they're out in their villages and their village, they don't have a device or internet, which is really sad. Very interesting. Okay. As we're kind of wrapping up here, I would love for you to tell me either the best advice that you've gotten over the years or just something for yourself that you always, you know, the best advice that you've gotten or that you give. The advice that I often give to people is think of no N-O as new opportunity. So often people are afraid to do something or ask for something because they feel uncomfortable or they're afraid of hearing no. And for me, I even tell myself that sometimes when I feel afraid of asking for something or asking for something that's bold. Yes. So that I want your listeners to take that with them is think of no N-O as new opportunity. I love that. I've never heard that before. I love it. That is wonderful advice. So just as we're closing up, can you tell people where they can find out more about Thriving Elements, about you, just where to find your, if they want to listen to your TEDx speech, for example, on mentorship, things like that, find your book. Yes, absolutely. Well, for Thriving Elements, we are always looking for STEM mentors and mentees. You don't have to be with a specific school to be a mentee for Thriving Elements. And you can get on www.thrivingelements.org for pre-order of the book. I go to boldly-u.com. And then I can also be found actively on Instagram at janet.t.fan and also on Twitter at Janet tfan09 and on LinkedIn. So I look forward to connecting with your listeners, Melinda. And I think it's great what you're doing and the platform that you create to empower women on a personal and professional level. I think it's great to hear the stories of others. This is what you're providing. So thank you. Oh, well, thank you for saying so. And I appreciate so much that you and all of our guests share so openly because that's really what it's about is that understanding and that the young woman who came up to you after your speaking gig and just told you what an impact it made. I mean, that's it, right? That's the meat of it. And it happens all the time. And I just think it's so important that everyone share their journey and their story. So thank you. I really appreciate your time and you being with us on the show and super excited about your new role. And we will be watching to see what you do next. Great. Thank you, Melinda. 
Thanks for listening to the See It To Be It podcast. For more female empowerment, inspiration, and advice, subscribe to our free weekly newsletter featuring a new woman to watch each week. And check out over a thousand more featured women at onthedotwoman.com. Know someone we need to feature? Reach out at onthedotwoman on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.